And today, as we launch into 2022 as a church family, we are going to beginning, begin a journey together, a journey into a brand new year. And I mean together on purpose because we're family. We're going to do it together. And if we have learned anything as a family over the past couple of years, it's that we have no idea what in the world we're going to encounter as we go into 2022. We may think we do, um, and, uh, but we just really don't. And here's the deal. We never really do, but we have a false belief that we really do because we really think we know how life's always going to turn out. It never turns out as we think it's going to. But the, one of the gifts we have through this crazy couple of years we've been living is that now we know that we just don't know what's ahead. That's a gift. Because otherwise, it's kind of living in delusion, thinking we know when we don't know. You know, the book of James is really clear about it. It says, if you say, I have this plan, I'm going to go to this town and do this for a year um, and, and just have all your plans made out, it says, basically, James says, that's sin. He says, because you should say, if the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. You say, what's the Lord's will? What's the Lord's plan? We don't know the Lord's will and the Lord's plan, other than the fact that we do know it's good, and we know something for sure. We know this for sure. We have a solid foundation upon which we stand. The kingdom of God is stable and unshakable. Amen? The kingdom of God is stable and unshakable. And there's something else that I want to point out today, and there's something we're going to be focusing on for five Sundays here, that we have that also gives us a great sense of stability. And it's this. It's history. It's a history of what God has done in His church. It's a history of the, of the church. I'm talking big C church, and, and meaning the church universal, and, and little C church, meaning Portview church, and any individual church. We have history, and we can look back upon history, and when we do that, it reveals to us that God has protected, and God has guided, and God has cared for, and God has given everything we need to His, to his children all along the way. So today, as we launch forward into a new year, I want us to, to do something. I want us to look back to the stability of our history. Because in a time when people feel unsettled, and if you don't feel it this way, understand your neighbors and friends feel unsettled. Those who don't know Jesus feel unsettled. And we get to be a light shining in the darkness and stability in the middle of chaos saying, well, we're not shaken. Because God is good and the kingdom of God's not in trouble and we're doing fine. Well, adjust to what we have to adjust to as we go a long way because God has us in the palm of his hands. So we're going to do something. We're going to look back to the stability of history in order to find guidance and direction moving forward into a brand new year. And the way we're going to look back into church history is by looking to a process or a template, maybe you could say, that has been utilized by the church for 500 years. America's not even 250 years old. Church history has used this process, this template, for 500 years, a process that's helped Christians to evaluate their life situations as it currently is, and then move forward into the blessings and promises that God has for us as we continue to walk with him. And the template of the process that I'm talking about that we're going to use as a framework over the next five Sundays is the Ignatian Retreat template. And some of you are familiar with what that is. The Ignatian Retreat basically was a 30 day retreat where uh, Ignatius 
would take Christians away in silence for 30 days, but he would take them into a process um, of, of going through a series of, oh, you will say this, of evaluations in order to get them from where they are to where, they, where, he, where he thought they should be, which is a solid foundation for God going into whatever God has. The whole, the whole um, two-thirds or well, three-fifths three of a nation retreat, retreat is all about what can be. What might God be calling me into in the future? So the first two parts are about where am I at right now or where's God at and where am I at? But then from there, it's what does the future look like? Now, we're going to do it as a 30-day retreat, but we're not going to do it as a 30-day retreat because we're not at a retreat house. We're going to live our lives as normal because I can't take you all for 30 days somewhere. Um, and um, Ignatius did the whole thing in silence. So who wants to be totally quiet for the next 30 days? Not say a word. Kevin. <laughs> okay. A couple of you. Mike. Want to be totally silent for 30 days. Some people think I can't be silent for five minutes. But that's not true. I love hunting. I go out in the woods. I'm silent for hours. But you know what? 30 days no talking? That might be hard. I actually have a friend who's done the full 30-day retreat, silent retreat. Um, and so we are going to launch into 2022 by walking through the ancient process of the Ignatian that Ignatius created to help people move forward with God. And the reason we thought it was so important to emphasize something about this as we launch into 2022 is because we really think that it is a, a way of showing or talking about that we are standing on the stability of church history. Think what the church has gone through in 500 years. World wars, plagues, economic collapse, economic revivals, spiritual revivals, spiritual weight walking away, all these different things that have happened. And, and we have a 500-year history that says, and here's something that stood the test of time for 500 years. I would also say this about that because we're, 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 we're talking about it this way. This would be a great thing to invite a person, a friend of yours, a neighbor of yours, a person who knows Jesus or doesn't yet know Jesus, to join you on this journey. They can join you on the journey by, by attending church. They can watch online. They can look at, this, at all the messages after they're produced and on, our, on our website. And you can go through the exercises we're going to give with you, with them, along the way. You spend a time, an hour together every week doing this. And you can show them that, guess what? There's, we have stability that we stand upon as the church. Now, I know that some of you in this place are familiar with this process, this Ignatian process, but I'm, I'm not sure that all of you are. I think some of you say, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, basically, what we're going to do is that each of the five Sundays in January, we will have a theme. It's really what it is. It's a theme. And we will focus on that theme for one week. And I will suggest um, some spiritual exercises, some things that you can do during the week that can help each of us focus on that theme during the week. And the hope is that as we walk through this ancient process, this 500-year-old process together, that what we're doing is this. We're not, we don't earn points with God when we do stuff. It's not like we somehow do something and we get credit. What happens when we do any kind of, any spiritual work or any, any op, we, we do anything that, that puts us in, in a position that we're hearing God is what happens is we open up our hearts to the available presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then has opportunity to direct us in the ways that he desires and to form us and to shape us. 
So all we do when we do these things is we're giving God opportunity. So that's why when you invest into something spiritually, you have a, you have a, a reward for it. And if you just drift, you say, I feel more distant because you're not getting the opportunity to the Holy Spirit to do the work in your heart. So what we're going to do is we're starting off a new year saying, let's give the Holy Spirit the most possible access to our heart that we can, to our soul, so that he can speak to us and shape us and direct us as we go into the new year and mold us in Christ's likeness. But we need to realize something about this, that no one can walk this journey for you. No one can walk the path for you. If you desire for this process to benefit you, then you need to engage with it. You need to take time and put in effort so the Holy Spirit has access into your life because it's as we partner with the Holy Spirit that He then moves us and shapes us and develops us and frees us and heals us. But if we just ignore it and say, yeah, it was pretty cool what Pastor Mark talked about on Sunday, you know, you'll get something. But I think there's so much more that God has for you if you'll engage the process. So let's begin our journey where Ignatius began. He began every one of his retreats with what he called first principles and foundations. Now, you're familiar, if you're familiar with the Ignatian retreat, they talk about the four weeks of an Ignatian retreat. But really, there's five parts to an Ignatian retreat. Because the first part was kind of a preparatory part. It's what he calls first principle and foundations. And I really think this, he, this is what he did to it, he intended to get people in the right mindset or have the right understanding as they began their 30-day retreat. So the 30-day retreat began with, with this introduction called First Principles and Foundations. And the focus of this first section, before he gets into what he calls his weeks, which are simply means blocks of time, um, is the focus, the first week, is on this, on the glory and the goodness of God. The focus this week from this morning on through next Saturday night we want to focus on, as we're walking through the process, on the glory and the goodness of God. So over the next seven days, we want to be looking for and marvel at how wonderful God is, and especially marvel at how good He has been to each of us in our lives. Now, Ignatius expressed the desire for each week with a certain term. He called the desires for each week, the grace I seek. In other words, what I'm looking for in the, from the grace of God in the next seven days. What is the grace I seek? And each week, we will we'll express to you how he put it in his words, the grace I seek, that for this week is talking about the glory and the goodness of God. And just so you know, in case you're feverishly going to try to write this stuff down, we've produced booklets for you that are out on the, on the table by the connection area. And everything from the booklet is also on the church website. So you can just go there and get it. So each day, so this is, you know, first principles and foundations, we'll have the grace I seek and then spiritual practices and then suggested scriptures that'll help you um, focus on that certain particular thing for that week. So for this week, the grace I seek is this. This is how Ignatian, Ignatius said it 500 years ago. To see and experience you again, Lord, afresh and anew. In the beauty of your creation and in the examination of the many ways you have blessed me in the past. To have a gratitude that might overflow in such a way that I come once again not only to know but also to feel the great love that you have for me. So Ignatius would say that's the goal or the grace I seek for this week. And again, it's, it's there, it's in the booklets on the website for this week. 
So that's what we want this week to be all about. To know and to feel and to experience the great love that God has for each of us as we see Him revealed through creation and through His past activities in our lives. And notice there, he's saying there's two ways. There's probably ten ways, but two ways that Ignatius pointed out, saying these are great ways to experience the greatness of God. Creation, and then looking back at God's past activities in our lives. So let's think about creation first. When we look at the world that God has created, what we see is we see God's fingerprints. We see his imagination. We see his limitlessness. We see his humor. We see, you know, who makes an emu, right? Or an ostrich or a giraffe. We see his humor. We see his generousness. So as we take time to stop and see, to actually stop and look, to stop and look at a flower, that as we take time to stop and see, we can see the fingerprints of God everywhere. How many of you are grand, grandparents in here? Parents, you're not going to get this yet, okay? When our grandkids come over, they stick their little fingers on our glass French doors, we don't wipe them away. When they were our kids doing it, you washed it off and making a mess. Now you look and you see the fingerprints of your kids, or your grandkids. They go, oh, what, was, what before was a mess now is cute. Right? I'm telling the truth, right? It is. It's true, Grandma and Grandpa, isn't it? Here's the deal. When we look at creation, we literally see the fingerprints of God. We're seeing what God has made in the heavens and in the forests and in the oceans. They shout about the greatness of creation. This isn't something new. Look at your Bibles. Open your Bibles to, to Psalm 19 and, and look what, what um, King David had to say about this. David's the great psalmist in Psalm 19. Look what he had to say about this. David understood this. Psalm 19, starting in verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the word of his hand. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are these, these words. Their voice is not heard. Their line or their sound has gone forth through all the earth, and their utterance to the ends of the earth. In them he has placed a tent for the sun which is as a bridegroom coming out of its chamber. It rejoices a strong man to run its course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens to the other. It is a circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And he just goes on talking about, about creation. Look what he says. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Friends, creation is a revelation of the glory of God. So this week, our desire is to stop and see, stop and notice, to take time to notice what God is revealing to us through his creation around us. I remember once doing an Ignatian retreat, and I was on this first section, the first principles, and, and I was just beginning, and it's to look at the glory of God in creation, and I was walking through a woods, there's paths in this retreat center, and I went off the path like I would normally do, and I was taking time to stop and see and, and trying to say, God, what are you saying to me through creation? 
And I was walking through the woods on that retreat ground in an area probably no one else ever walked because it was a big old woods and it was full of mosquitoes, but I wanted to go off the path, and that's where I was. And I was just looking, and I noticed something. I noticed a snapdragon. I've got a picture of a snapdragon up here. We have a picture of a snapdragon up here. You guys know what a snapdragon is? Some of you are Becky, you're a gardener. You have snapdragons. There's a snapdragon sitting in the middle of the woods, and, and I, I picked it. I always should have picked it, right? I picked the snapdragon. And I was looking at it, at the incredible intricacy of a snapdragon. I was looking at this, the beauty of the color, and the, it, it almost looked like a little face, like a little dragon, right? And I was looking at it, and I just was marveling at how beautiful and intricate, and there was a couple of them there, so I'm looking at multiple ones, and I'm like, they're all incredibly gorgeous and precise and intricate. But then it really hit me as I was looking at that snapdragon, as looking at how beautiful it was, it dawned on me that I'd walked off the path. No person had planted that snapdragon. It was just, and, and, and originally God had created a snapdragon. And, and here I am looking at a snapdragon out in the middle of the woods as I took time to stop and see. And I realized no person would probably ever have seen that little beautiful flower if I had not gone off the path, took time to stop and see. And it made me realize something about God. It made me realize how much God loves beauty. That God creates Beauty just for beauty's sake. That God, it says something about God that, you know what, he didn't do it to get recognition because no one would ever probably see that. I happened to stumble upon it. That God creates beauty just for beauty's sake. That God is genius. That when I looked at the interest, in, 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 intricacy of a snapdragon, I just couldn't believe how complex it was. And it just made me realize that he pours out his beauty in places where no person may see it. That he creates beauty just as an expression of who he is. And he creates beauty for beauty's sake. Because God is beautiful. And that's the kind of thing we want to experience this week. We want to stop and see the beauty and the wonder of God as we look at creation around us. And allow it to give us a better understanding of how great God really is. Take time to watch a flock of geese as they fly by. You don't even probably pay attention to them normally. Have you, do you ever stop and look at the geese when they fly by and listen to them as they talk to each other? I live in town, so the geese always fly over my house. And, and oftentimes when I hear them, I actually go outside and I look up and I, and I just marvel at the geese. First of all, you know what's a marvelous about geese? They can fly. I have to confess, if I had a superpower, it'd be flying. Most of you too, right? It'd be flying. It would be to fly. And I envy the geese as I, as I watch them fly by, and I, I think, you can fly. What is, what is that like? But then, not only do they fly, because when they're flying here, at least this time of the year, they're flying for a purpose. That we have some local geese that spend their whole life here, but that's not generally what happens with geese. Geese migrate. And geese, they fly in the summer all the way up to Canada. That's why they're called the Canadian goose. And they, they have their nests in Canada, and they lay their eggs, and they have their young. And then they fly south for the winter. They're smarter than a lot of us. And they fly south for the winter, and they go to Alabama or Arkansas, somewhere down there, 
in a, in a place where it's warm and they spend their, their winter down there. And in spring, get this, they fly back home. You know the geese mate for life? They have a pair they mate for life. And they fly back to their home back in Canada. And you know this, that when a young goose was born up there and flies down with mom and dad, and then they come back, that they will come back, that the, the, the children geese will come back often, not only to the same area, they will come back and use the exact same nest that their mom and dad used. Some of you couldn't find your car keys this morning. They will fly from Canada to Alabama, fly back, and if they weren't the adult, they were a little one, they flew down there, they fly all the way back, and they will go to the exact same nest. Biologists have studied it. They will go to the exact same nest and go in that nest and have their young in that nest. That's amazing. You ever stop and watch a goose and just go, that didn't just happen. It's got a brain about the size of your end of your pinky. You know, it didn't just happen. Again, you couldn't find your car keys. You, some of you couldn't get to Fredonia without a GPS. And a goose can fly across the country and find its way back. And we say, what does that say? It speaks to the glory of God in his creation. Or take some time this week, and it's easier on your window to do, to look at a snowflake in winter. We, we didn't get many snowflakes. Suzanne was praying. She's never done this in 30 years. She was praying for a blizzard or an ice storm for this morning. Because so many people <laughs> were sick. And we literally could, we we're trying to find anybody who could run the sound and anybody that could even be on the worship team. We were pulling people out of everywhere and we we're saying, why? Because we're like, it's literally going to be a ghost town because so much stuff was going on at church right now and so many people were just getting out of the hospital. And uh, she was praying, Suzanne's never done this, she was praying for snow. She's never done that. You know what? You ever look at snow? You know what that scientists tell us? And I looked this up. The internet couldn't be wrong, right? It says the scientific consensus is that the likelihood of two snow crystals being identical is zero. That every one is different. That the pile of snow that you shovel off is made of snow crystals, of snowflakes, and not any two of them are the same. That says something about the greatness of God about the wonder of God, about the, the magnitude of God, of the creativity of God. And this week, I encourage you to spend some time, and I'm encouraging you to do some, some time every day, looking at creation. Maybe it's too cold for you this week to go outside and walk in the woods and the snapdragons are dead and gone. But you know what? Spend some time maybe sitting in your car up on the bluff and looking at our beautiful and powerful lake. You know what? When I'm feeling disorientated, and I'm feeling like, God, where are you? That's where I go. I go up on the bluff, and I sit in my car, and I look at the lake, and I see its power, and I see its, its stability, that it was there before any of our ancestors ever lived in this area. And I look at its strength, and, you know, they, they rebuilt the, the um, break wall a few years ago, and they put railings on, and, and uh, the winter storms come and just smash them off. You know, this is strength of the storms. I look at that and it reminds me 
of, of something of the nature and the character of God. So take some time and to look at the various things. You know what? Take your phone or your computer. I think I encouraged you to do this last year. And begin to, to search things. You know, that, that the, um, the video of the cosmos came from doing searches. And it's going, uh, videos of the cosmos. Just start entering things in about creation. You want to be amazed? Enter in beautiful deserts of the world. Enter in beautiful birds of the world, beautiful fish of the world. And you will literally be amazed. I had a friend in Bible college who was from Hawaii, and we went to school in Louisiana, and he was a diver. And we were at a, at a, at a restaurant one time, and it had fish tanks in it, but it was, it was um, freshwater fish. And he says, Mark, you know what is weird about you? He calls howlies. Howly is a bad word for people who don't live on the island. And uh, you howlies, he goes, your fish are ugly. He goes, our fish in the ocean are beautiful. He says, your fish are ugly. And we're looking at bass and perch. I'm like, they're beautiful. He goes, no, but have you ever dove in the ocean? And that point, I never had. I never dove in the ocean. I have now. Just Google. Just go online and look at the beautiful fish of the sea. Because every one of them speaks to the creative genius of God. If, if I was in charge of creating the world and said, okay, we've got to have an animal that lives in the water that's going to you know, be a fish, I would have made like one. You know? I would have made a walleye. Because they're great to eat and they're fun to catch. They're hard to catch sometimes. I would have made a walleye. That'd be about it. Muskies. I would have made those. I like to catch muskies. But you know what? God didn't stop at one. He stopped at, I don't know, thousands upon thousands. We're still literally finding new, new um, species in the world that we never knew existed. So Ignatius says, you know what? The way to find God is to spend time looking at his, to be amazed by God at his, at his marvelous creation. To actually stop and look. So that's one way that Ignatius says we can experience the wonder of God. But he says there's another way. Again, there might be ten ways, but he points out two that are really important, and I think this template works. Another way is this, to experience the wonder of God, is to see and remember his activity in our own lives. Let's think about King David again. King David, this is what King David was doing when he wrote Psalm 107, so flip over there and we'll look at something there in a second. Psalm 107. King David was looking back at the history of the nation of Israel and he was remembering all the things that God had done in the past. And he was reminding people that would read what he wrote about God's greatness by recalling God's past activity. And I just want to look at the last couple verses. Because the, whole, the first 40 verses are him just saying, God did this, God did this, God did this, God did this. But then he summarizes at the end, starting in verse 41, he says this. And he's talking about God here, but he, but he, God, rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad. See these things, the, the, the things God has done. While the wicked are struck silent. And this is the verse. Those who are wise will take all of this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. You see, Ignatius learned from King David that as we look back, we can see the activity of God in our lives. That we can experience um, the same thing that David did. We look back and then we can notice 
the things that God has done. He said anybody wise will look back and go, wow, look what God has done. So today and this week, we want to be like King David. We want to stop and see what God has already done for us in our lives. And we want to do this. We want to ask God to help us to see where he's intervened and how he's provided and where he has given guidance. We want to sit with the Lord in silence and say, God, show me. Run the reel of my life. Run the reel of 2021 through my mind and help me see where you have been and how you have helped me. This is where if you're a journal or having a journal is so helpful because you can take time to review what you've wrote about what your concerns and your needs and your requests, and you will see with retrospect how God really was involved, is involved. You realize he did answer your prayers. He did meet your needs. We just often get done praying and forget and move on. And friends, if we don't take time to stop and see and look back, it's so easy to never recognize where God has already been involved in our lives. And this is something that, that I do Every new year, regardless of whether or not I'm on a retreat, I take time to look back and to look for the activity of God. And it never fails that I will recognize things that God has done that I had overlooked. And I would have overlooked if I didn't take time to sit and look back and give the Holy Spirit opportunity to reveal to me what God has already done. And every time I do it, it makes me all the more amazed by God. So this first week of our, of our kind of non-retreat retreat, we're not going away for 30 days to a retreat house, we're not being silent, but we're going to live our workaday lives, but we're going to take the template that Ignatius gave us and take the focus of each one of the weeks and try to keep it in our forefront of our mind, that grace I seek throughout that week and the next week, do the next one throughout that week, spending some time, whatever time you can carve out each day if possible to focus on this. This first week, what do we focus on? We notice the glory and the goodness of God. We want to take time to stop and see this by actually looking at creation. Take time to, to smell the roses. Not a rose, but smell the roses. To, to look at a flower, a snapdragon. Go to a florist. Look at a flower. Buy a plant and look at it. Look at your plants in your house, your lilies in your house some of you have, and look at them. One plant that we've been, is it a lily that we've not been able to kill? Is that what it's called? A lily? An orchid. An orchid. We have orchids in our house. We kill plants. We should not be allowed to have plants. But this one you just have to put an ice cube in once a week and then it lives. It's beautiful. Take time to look at the orchid and just see the amazement, the amazing creative genius of God that God didn't have to make orchids, but He did. Stop and see in creation, and then spend time looking back. Say, God, help me to see where you've been active in my life over the past year, over the past decades, so that you see that he really is there. So I encourage you to set time aside this week in silence, sometime maybe each day of the week, to be able to focus on the goodness and the glory of God, to help in these times... um, as I told you, we've provided a booklet that's available out in, the, out in the connection area. It's online. That gives some direction on how you can do that. I encourage you to spend some time with that resource. You don't have to use it, but it, it can be helpful. What I'm hoping is that we, walk through, we launch into 2022 
we take this time to stand at an ancient practice that has been proven helpful for 500 years, that it gets us in the right mindset and it gets us, helps us deal with the junk in our lives and move forward into the preferred future that God has for us, that we launch into 2022 saying, not just what do I want to do, what's God have in store for me for the coming year? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are so good. And that, Lord, you have um, blessed us with the glory of your creation. And, Lord, you have blessed us in so many ways that if we don't take time to, to think back, we overlook. And we would ask this week that you would help us see you fresh and anew. Fresh and anew in ways that we never have. And, Lord, I pray this for every person in our church family today. That this week, you would help us to honestly see you more clearly. Because, Lord, we know if we see you in all of your glory, that then it puts everything in perspective. Then we just rest in you. We're amazed by you. We're changed by you. So, Lord... I just pray for your grace and your intervention in the lives of every one of us. That this week would be a wonderful week of experiencing you. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray the great benediction over you as a church family. After that, you feel free to if you feel free by the Holy Spirit to go. If you want to spend some time just praying, spend some time praying. If you want to come up here and have us pray for you, we'll gladly pray for you. But otherwise, you can quietly make your way out of the sanctuary, go have a cup of coffee, and hang out with friends. Let me pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.